The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, so much drama happening in Atlanta. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Uh, We had to leave the show with it. Our latest on the Trey Young saga. We discussed the new changes to the league as well that will allow foreign countries to own NBA teams. Say what? What does that mean going forward? And we also asked the question, is the NBA looking at a lockout sooner or later? Sooner than you think, folks. We also get into the various trade rumors, how J.B. Bickerstaff might be the most underrated coach in the league, and we also talk about Joe Mazzulla, head coach of the Boston Celtics, giving his first interview since the whole Ime Udoka issue went down in Boston. Issue is doing a lot of work there. So much shit to talk about, Nick, so drop that motherfucking beat. Yes! Warm your hands up on this hot tea. It appears there is a power struggle going on in Atlanta. Again, actually, between world-class chucker Trey Young and head coach Nate McMillan. Nope, not not Lloyd Pierce, the the last coach that got fired because of his drama with Trey Young, the new coach that replaced that coach because of his drama with Trey Young. Fun, fun stuff. As everyone knows, last weekend Trey Young had a run-in with Nate McMillan that led him to ghosting the Atlanta Hawks game. Yeah, ghosting, meaning not showing up for work (laughs) on Sunday night. Like he just does, uh, hit it and quit it. Just like literally, I'm I'm here. Where you up? And then had a nice night. Nothing, right? Like nothing, no response. It's what was it like? Hit him in the text. Go green. You know, that's where it was. Why he went ghost mode is now at the heart of the story. According to Shams, looking at you, camera. Everybody's giving me a hard time, being like, it's Shams, it's Sham Sharania. It's not. What are you, Rube? What are you, what are you, country bumpkin? What did you fall off a log? Like, come on now. It's Shams. Sham Sharania. I know it's not easy to say, so you just say Shams. But don't, 
Don't murder me in my own comment section because I know the guy's name. Anyway, according to Shams, issues between Trey and Nate culminated in a telltale moment. I love that word. Telltale moment inside the Hawks practice facility on Friday. All-NBA guard Trey Young and coach Nate McMillan had an exchange at Friday's shoot-around that led Trey Young choosing not to attend the team's win at home over Denver at State Farm Arena. Here's the tea. Warm your hands up on that hot tea. While Young was receiving treatment for a sore shoulder, McMillan asked him if he was able to play. Trey literally said, I'll tell you later. I don't know. Not sure. Well, considering that you actually have to, I don't know, game plan uh, as to whether your players are going to play, uh, Nate was not happy with that answer. Not a great answer, honestly. He said, all right, well, I'm going to plan on you not playing. And if you're okay, we'll either have you come off the bench or, I don't know, just don't bother showing up for the game. That was like a loose thing, like don't bother showing up for the game, and he didn't. He took that quite literally. Trey Young decided not only to take the night off, but uh, I'm just not going to go to the arena at all. And shit has hit the fan in Atlanta ever since. The Hawks have been in full damage control, as you might imagine. Ever since. In separate pressers, both men had interesting reactions. Uh, Not shockingly, Trey was a little salty towards the reporter. Uh, This is what happened. Let's play it for you. We're all grown men here, and there's sometimes we don't always agree. And um, I mean, it's unfortunate that private, private situations and private conversations get out to the public. But I guess that's what uh, the world we live in now. But uh, I mean, I'm just, I'll just focus on basketball and focus on helping my team win. And that's what I got to get to refocus it on. But what's public was that you not at the game. So why weren't you there? And then it gets very testy from there. Uh, maybe shed a little more. Why weren't you there? Why weren't you there? Man, it's not you. Uh, so you was at me, bro. Uh, I'm serious. I mean, you're leader of this team. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard for people who don't know the full situation to, to understand it. So. How dare that reporter ask a follow-up question? I mean, it's like I said, it's a private matter again, and it made public, which was unfortunate. Um, and if it was stayed private, it probably wouldn't have been as big of a deal. But oh, you you think you can just uh, ghost your team and it just gets, stays private? You don't think anyone's gonna be like, hey, how come that guy we're paying fifty million dollars a year to isn't at the game and he's not on the injury report? Uh, John John Collins is wearing a boot. He's he's right there. We see him. We see him. Where's Trey? You don't think anyone's gonna ask about that? And all the youngsters. It's a different generation these days. I'm starting to feel older. Like. Oh, F that reporter. He's got an attitude. He's dehumanizing Trey by asking him where he was. Listen, when you get paid $50 million, it's not just to play basketball. Let's be honest. It's, it's to play basketball. It's to rep the brand. It's to answer questions from the media. It's to grow the brand. It's to be available, be honest, be transparent. I don't think people know that enough. It's not just to put the ball in the hoop at 28.7% from the three-point line like you're doing right now, Trey Young. Like, it's to do a lot more than that. As an aside, is, is this the most salty interview in history? Trey did not want to talk to this guy. I, it was like Russell Westbrook and that dude from OKC. It was like that, where he's like, next question, and then forever he just ghosted that reporter until he left OKC for good. As for Nate, uh... 
he's been mad, as you could expect, especially at reports that he gave Trey an ultimatum. This is what he said. I address my team about that. I've talked to Trey about that. We're moving forward. The one thing I do want to respond to is there was something said about me telling Trey to not show up for the game. I will never, and I have never, ever told a player to not show up for a game. That is just false. John Hollinger, who I love from The Athletic, who's covered Nate all the way back to his Blazer days when he was making Brennan Roy the most disgusting player on earth to watch, said of him before the next game, as a longtime observer of Nate McMillan press conferences going back to Portland, I don't ever think I've seen him this animated. Yeah, Nate is pissed. There's a fracture in the locker room. Head coach versus head player. Uh, What's fascinating is the fallout. If you think that the rest of the Hawks were running to come to Trey Young's defense in this feud, you are sadly mistaken. Sam Amick was asked, who was on the Who side of Raja Bell's podcast, and said, I love the question, and I think the answer is pretty clear that the players, if they were picking sides on this, to be honest with you, they'd be on Nate McMillan's side. I like Trey Young as a player. Do I? I don't know. Sometimes. <laughs> but I don't know how I feel about him as a person. But Trey has done nothing but feud with teammates and coaches since he got to Atlanta. To the point where Sham Sharanya said in the article that they were looking for Trey Young to be a more positive voice in the locker room. Like when that's the last, that's not something you just write yourself. That's a direct quote that isn't used as a direct quote, if you know what I'm saying. Does it? It's just even as, as outsiders are weighing in, like George Carl, who I hate, said this. I'm not liking the rumors. What a stray at George Carl. George Carl spit on me accidentally one time. He's the worst. Like, we'll just go. That's a whole different story for a whole different day, but he's, he's the worst. Why am I quoting him? Because I can. This is what he said. I'm not liking the rumors about Nate McMillan potentially not finishing the season with the Hawks. Nate is a hell of a coach and a person. There is too much player empowerment in this league sometimes. <sighs> There's a lot there. Remember, it was Trey Young who led the rebellion against Lloyd Pierce and got him fired. And now it doesn't seem like he likes Nate anymore. Seems like everyone's the problem, according to Trey Young, but him. As they say in the business, sometimes you shouldn't point a finger, you should point a thumb. So, problem is, a whole lot of his teammates seem to think Trey Young's act is getting old as well, and it's not the first time either, right? Remember, early in the 2020-2021 season, there was beef between John Collins and Trey. Pretty much spurred the beginning of the constant John Collins trade rumors that have persisted until this very, till this very day. Till this day. Uh, most people were quick to label Collins as a malcontent, but the truth is, like, it's Trey. What is every, every time there's a problem, it's Trey and someone else. Sometimes, listen, your entire organization is dick, right? Maybe you just have a bunch of terrible decision makers, a bunch of toxic people around you, and you're just, maybe you're just the canary in the coal mine. I don't know if I would consider Trey Young to be the canary in the coal mine, though. Am I close to the situation? No. Do I know people close to the situation who are telling me, yeah, Trey Young's kind of a punk sometimes? Yes. Shams reports that the Hawks have had multiple teammates to address the many issues facing the team. How many damn team meetings do they have? How many? How many do they have to have? Listen, it's all hands on deck here. What's the common denominator? 
the canary in the coal mine, Trey Young. And it's not if the Hawks are a bad team. They're the four seed in the East right now. Better teams than the Hawks have been derailed by a lack of leadership. Calling Draymond Green. Calling Jordan Poole. Calling. Calling. Lack of team chemistry is an issue right now for the Hawks, and Trey Young is at the center of both those issues for the Hawks. At this point, what's going to happen? I don't know. Probably more toxic shit. We'll keep you informed. Let's move on. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Can we take a minute to give some respect to J.B. Bickerstaff? Because just three years ago, the Cleveland Cavaliers were an absolute jokeville, just a jokeville of a team. A franchise reeling from LeBron's departure, very little hope, it seemed, for the future. Bickerstaff was hired after two straight 19-win seasons and managed only to improve them by three games to 22 wins in his first year. Then to make matters worse, Cleveland didn't even get a top-two draft pick, having to settle for the three spot. What are they, what's that saying? What's that saying? Um... Rome, Rome wasn't built in a day. Cleveland wasn't rebuilt in a day. The 22-win season in JV's first year turned out to probably to be the best thing for him, right? They ended up getting Evan Mobley. Sheesh. I mean, probably the best player in that draft right now. You've got Jalen Green, no comment. You've got Cade Cunningham, no comment. And the rest is history. I like Cade Cunningham a lot. I like Jalen Green a lot, but you know what I'm saying. With JB retooling the team to go with Allen and Mobley and Markinen, they doubled their wins last year to 44 and right now are 16-9, and nine, firmly in the race for the East of contention with Donovan Mitchell by their side. Better yet, they are 11-1 at home. They are the second-ranked defense in the entire league. They have a legitimate MVP candidate in my man Donovan Mitchell. 80 to 1 by the year, by the way, or 66 to 1 at the beginning of the year. And they may actually be starting four All Stars. Crazy. Garland, Mitchell, Allen already made the All Star game. And Evan Mobley, probably their best player right now. Who do they owe that success to? JB Bickerstaff. Why haven't I bet on him to win Coach of the Year? Not sure. Who has not only ushered in a new golden age of Cavaliers basketball, he's made players absolutely blossom. This is what Jared Allen said is how he interacts with us, how he connects with us players, making jokes, keeping us in line, the way he fights for us on the court, the way he'll step up and tell a ref how it should or shouldn't be a foul. He'll never back down from anything. Love a coach that got your back. It's very important these days. Have loyalty, have people who have your back. Never forget that. Darius Garland said this about why he loves JB. He's honest with me. I don't like BSing. Just be completely honest with me. If I do something wrong, I want you to yell at me. I want you to do the same thing that you're going to do the last person on the bench. I don't want, like, any slack or anything like that. Just coach me really hard. That's the whole deal with me. I mean, at this at the point when they drafted Garland and they had Colin Sexton, between the two, didn't everyone think it was going to be Colin Sexton that was going to stay? Didn't everybody think it was going to be Colin Sexton that was the all-star? At least early on. Darius Garland, the all-star, earlier than Sexton. And think about this, too. He's developed four young players in his three uh, years as head coach, and they've made all-stars. Garland, Allen, Mobley, and Markkinen. 
It's easy to forget. JB basically saved Lori from the scrap heap in Chicago. Do you guys remember who Lori Markkinen was in Chicago? He was fucking nobody. He was, he was someone discardable, easily discardable. And he helped him turn into what he is today, which is I think probably all 30 teams would want Lori Markkinen right now. He is ridiculous. Markkinen credited JB Bickerstaff for helping him succeed. He says he wants everyone to succeed. He's a great leader. Listen, like it's not like the Cavs haven't faced injury issues, injury bugs. They were a top three team last year, and Ricky Rubio went down with ACL. Missed the rest of the season. Missed 26 games last year. Allen did. Garland has averaged missing 22 games a year. Mobley missed 13 games. He has done so much, even when his best players are sidelined. I don't think we're giving him enough respect. Also, why haven't I bet on him yet for coach of the year? I feel like that's a really good bet. Mostly, though, what I love about JB is how he understands spacing. It's one of the reasons that the three-headed monster worked last year with all those guys that were seven feet or above. Mobley, Allen, Markkinen. It's a huge reason that Donovan Mitchell has been able to cook right outside the gates. People said... They didn't want to see how Garland and Spider would work. They thought it was going to be horrible. Both having career years at the same time. I mean, look at look at Chris Finch and see what he's been up to. It's been bad. It's been very, very bad. As an aside, what does it say about Colin Sexton that he's the, apparently the one player that J.B. Bickerstaff couldn't find a role for? Doesn't say good things. Doesn't say good things. Uh, <laughs> maybe there's a reason he's getting zero run in Utah. So, yeah, let's give some, some credit to J.B. Bickerstaff and, and uh, let's point the finger maybe at what's up with Colin Sexton. Right man in the right place is what they said when he was hired. I think it's more than that, though. He's been really, really good. He's been a hell of a coach. And he's made the Cavaliers a team that everyone is afraid of and that no one wants to play. 